everybody. Uh, this is the Mainland Podcast. It's been a while. Um, we are uh, at episode 150. It's a milestone. And I am Michael Sintro, the managing editor and founder of TheMainland.com. We cover all things Orlando City, Orlando Pride, Orlando City B. And yes, we do cover the Orlando Sea Wolves. We may not give it the same attention as the others, but we do cover the Orlando Sea Wolves. If you don't like that, please just ignore the Seawolf stuff, I guess. I am joined, as always, by David Rowe up in Tallahassee. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing great. Happy uh, 150th. Um, pretty cool. Uh, the uh, We picked a heck of a day to do it, um, especially considering that we, we thought about doing it earlier in the month and then didn't happen between vacation and holidays and whatever else and and we we chose today of all days yeah to do this i even considered kicking the can into january because it's been crazy here um we were waiting to do this we wanted to do it early in the month but we've been waiting to try to get a guest for this month which we had uh, been promised we would have one and that didn't end up happening so this is a guestless episode not our fault we had uh, an agreement in place to have a guest but things got a little uh, crazy with the club things got a little crazy with our schedules and it didn't work out so we don't have a guest sorry about that um we will try to have maybe two guests next month i don't know we'll see what we can do well it's not like we don't have enough to yeah, talk about yeah we do have a lot to a talk about this would be like easily a two and a half three hour podcast if we had a guest i'm guessing yeah. but we'll see we'll see where this goes um uh, you know, I had the vacation. I was on a I was on a cruise ship for a week, so I was unavailable. We had the you know we had Christmas just a couple days ago, and um, I did sell my house. It is closed, and I am now living in my house, which is now someone else's house. Uh, but I have not yet closed on the house I'm purchasing, which has been another fun little battle because um, uh, FPL has decided that they are going to drag their feet on hooking up. A power meter you would think that they would want their new customers to move in and start paying them money for their power very soon uh, but they are taking their time so as soon as that power meter gets put in then they can do the final inspections we can close on the house so well, them. they are costing themselves money by not not getting those installed congratulations you squatter <sighs> yeah I am well I'm not really squatting because I'm paying rent back on my own place so ouch that ow yeah. <laughs> thankfully the rent is actually lower than my mortgage payments were so oh, okay. yeah and i can go week to week so that's good uh we're hoping to be in the new place by uh, mid-january but i am boring literally every human being that's listening to this podcast so i apologize to both of you for the uh for the boredom uh we are including me in that count yes. too. we have a lot going on dave um when I was on the boat, Orlando City hired Luis Muzi as uh, the executive vice president of soccer operations. So a GM is now in place for Orlando City. That was teased ahead of time, ahead of when it actually happened. Uh, but it wasn't until the 18th, I believe, that that was um, uh, officially announced. And and then I like that Dallas um, put out a release that uh, his last day was the previous Friday. That was nice of them to to confirm that, <laughs> yeah. that he was done. I don't know what happened there, but it seemed like maybe there's some bad blood on the Dallas side of things uh, because there was a story that popped out about, um, you know, the 
the moves that Orlando City was making were being orchestrated by Muzi, and then somebody in Dallas that covers the uh, covers FC Dallas said, "How can that be? He's still working for Dallas." And then you know both you know Dallas and Orlando you know denied it, and it was just kind of a weird thing. But it, anyway, it's all said and done. We have a new GM. And uh, another crazy thing happened while I was on the boat uh, that apparently Dom Dwyer went to practice at the team's training facility, but he was on a field that the team was not renting uh, from the park, and uh, he was kicked off the park. So <laughs> I don't know who's gonna who's kicking Dom Dwyer off the pitch. I mean, seriously, yeah, right? I mean, obviously not an Orlando City fan. Maybe somebody that just uh, mm-hmm. you know hired uh, in their retirement years or something. Hey, get yeah. off my lawn, kid. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, yeah, so it it was an eventful week when I was gone. The Yoshi to Cruise Soul rumors came out, and of course that happened today as we record this on the twenty seventh. Um, you guys had a lot of excitement while I was gone. Yeah, and. It was said many times that you don't get to leave ever again. Opening day was announced. The The Lions will once again open with New York City FC at the Purple Palace. Third time in, uh, what, five years now that mm-hmm. uh, New York City will be the first opponent. But starting at home again, that's good. That is nice. Um, if we can have a start like last season, that would be even better. Would have been nice had the Pride uh, hired a coach while I was gone. That did not happen. And no. since the Washington Spirit hired a coach today, they uh, the pride of the only NWSL team without a coach. Fantastic! I, it, it, that was on my Christmas list article, and still, I, I mean, not that I really think I have any power or anything, but <laughs> come on, I, I asked for it for Christmas. You could have given me that. Um, oh, maybe wow. they're on the Festivus plan or something. I don't know. Uh, and it is a festivist for the and rest you of us. Can, you can. This is one of the grievances you can air. This. Oh, it's. <laughs> I, I, I aired it then, and it probably. I'd have to go back and look and see what day it came out, but it was closer to festivus than it was uh, Christmas. So. Yeah. All right. So, Dave, I guess. You know, they say when you're eating an elephant, you should just take one bite at a time. So okay. let's dig in and let's start with the. We're not going to go through everybody we predicted would stay or go because there's just too much to talk about. But uh, let's just get to because we haven't talked in a while. Let's get back oh. to the announcement of the contract options, and I'll just get your overall thoughts on you know what were your biggest surprises, what were your biggest disappointments of that whole um, that whole thing of who is coming back and who is not coming back for Orlando City. Uh. Bigger surprise, I, and it is and it isn't, I guess, that question uh, um, saying, um, you know, when we talked and, and we, you know, made our predictions, I'm not really surprised that uh, Joe wasn't coming back, that Bendik wasn't coming back. Um, Higita uh, is still a lion. Um, we both uh, had, had mentioned that we thought that he was in a, a, a good spot to, to get you know, decent money for him. Uh, but evidently James O'Connor, at least up until the recording of this podcast said, decided differently. Um, well, the, the thing about Agita is that he's, they had to pick up his contract option and now they can, yeah. they can still trade him or transfer him, sell him somewhere. Um, so right. I'm not sure he's going to be here next year. I don't know that. I mean, we don't have any way of knowing. I was talking just more of who got picked up, who didn't get picked up. I think that for me, uh, 
the biggest surprise is not picking up Scott Sutter. Yes, yes. Uh, quality um, player, wasn't overly expensive. Um, seems like he'd be a good fit if we go three in the back because he wouldn't have to track back as quite as much as he ordinarily would. Um, that was a little bit surprising to me. I wasn't surprised about Spectre because I knew either he or Sané would be gone based on uh, the amount of money they make. Um, and, I, you know, I don't think there were really too many other big surprises other than maybe I was surprised that they picked up PC's option, even though they ended up trading him to Vancouver anyway. Yeah. So I, I think I would have just cut my cut my losses with him, but they ended up getting a, uh, what, a third-round draft pick for him. So basically uh, they got a lottery ticket, and it's a long <laughs> shot to pay off, but maybe, you know, maybe they'll get something in that third round uh, that they can use. We have so many picks <laughs> that are lottery picks. It's not – it's ridiculous. Right. So um, – the 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 team sent Amro Tarek to the Red Bulls for a fourth round draft pick, and that was a big shocker to me because you know he, we got less than we got for PC, but there were some extenuating circumstances with Tarek in that the Red Bulls are now on the hook for some transfer fees and a raise that you know ordinarily wouldn't have been. Um, you know, part of a deal. So they, they part with a fourth round pick instead of a higher pick because now they've got to deal with all the extra, uh, the costs that uh, Orlando city wanted to get out from under. Um, Tarek was a very inexpensive player. So I imagine he probably hit like every incentive on his contract this year, um, <laughs> yeah. for, for his maximum raise. And, uh, you know, I don't know what, none of us know what he had left on ter in terms of, uh, the, transfer fee so it could have been substantial money that the red bulls were on the hook for and it may be something that uh, orlando city was not willing to 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 do there you know the value may not have been there for that and you know good on him for hitting all those uh those uh you know bonus levels but uh it it may have ended up being the thing that that sent him to to the red bulls yeah and it's it's uh you know it's it was done because of injuries. I mean, Tarek wasn't expected to come in and be a starter this year. It was supposed to be the Spectre and Sané show at center back. And, um, you know, Tarek is a fill-in guy, and he ended up, I think he played, I think he played the most games of any center back this year. If, if he didn't, it was close. Yeah, pretty sure. So um, what else happened since we last talked? So, the, oh, my gosh. Um, PC to Vancouver, yeah, Tony. We, we sent – okay, so there was a, a draft pick for Tony Rocha. Mm -hmm. Is that another – another, another, another fourth-rounder? Fourth-round, fourth yep. Uh, there was a, a trade that we, we actually uh, – we broke the news on this trade. It was a, a trade of uh, Mohamed El Munir to LAFC for Jao Moutinho. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were disappointed with this on uh, on social media. A lot of El Munir fans out there. I was okay with it because it seemed like we essentially, Orlando City essentially gets the same player back, maybe a little less pace, but a lot younger, um, a lot more upside, and mm -hmm. um, perhaps won't be completely brain dead on back post crosses. Which would be nice because there were several goals on brain dead back post crosses yeah, for, so for all of the good things that El Munir did and, and I like him as a player but I'm not blinded to his many weaknesses and 
Sure. You know, it's he's a player that we've discussed a lot on the site. We've discussed it on this this program that he's got his flaws, and if he, you can if you can uh, you know get the team to make up for his flaws, you're okay. But this is a this is a team that wasn't able to make up for for Elmanier's flaws, and he's he does a lot of cool things. I think a lot of people get you know he's got those jaw dropping recovery runs that are awesome to watch. But when you think about the fact that he's often the cause of having to recover, um, it, it kind of takes the luster off it a little bit. It's like, well, if he hadn't got caught out of position, he wouldn't be running, uh, running guys down from behind. Uh, if he yeah. had been a little bit more aware of what was going on on the other side or recognized something a little earlier, uh, he wouldn't have had to make this last ditch tackle. Um, I'm not trying to bash the player. I, I again, I'll say it what I said before, I like him as a player, but you know, he's for what he was making. I don't think he is irreplaceable by any stretch. And I think that Moutinho is a guy that a lot of people had rated very highly on their draft boards last year. And he was the number one pick. So, you know, a guy with a lot of upside, um, you know, decent offensive skills. He can also play center back. So if you're, if you're looking at that three man back line that James O'Connor likes, you know, maybe he can slot in on the left side mm-hmm. of that. He, you know, he gives the team some flexibility. We saw another uh, rumored move. It hasn't actually become official yet today uh, that uh, Danilo Acosta from uh, Real Salt Lake may be on his way here uh, to Orlando from uh, from RSL. And, and that's another player that's very similar in that he plays left back but can play center back. So it, it's... It, there, we're seeing a pattern with James O'Connor yes. bringing in some defenders that can do multiple things. Um, mm-hmm. He needs these guys to be agile, good with their feet, you know, maybe be able to play multiple positions across the back line just in case uh, he wants to change shape, go three-man across the back, go four-man, go five-man. Whatever it is he wants to do, he wants to have the flexibility to do that. I think we're starting to see the beginnings, and we're still early in this process, of his fingerprints on this team. Oh yeah, no. It's it's uh, when you when you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's obvious uh, that given the people that he's bringing in on the, especially in in the defense, that that is what he's doing. He wants to have that flexibility uh, when he changes shape. He wants to be able to move players in and out. Um, I imagine he's even thinking about you know being able to rotate in and out. So uh, it's you know bringing the Moutinho and um, and some of the other that's. It, it definitely looks like that's what's going on here. I, I think it's unfortunate that we we get, of course, we get this stuff piecemeal. We're not in the we're not in the locker room. We don't know what's going on. We're not in the the war room while they're they're planning all these things and and picking who they want. But it, it's hopefully it's one of those things where once it's all the dust settles, we'll we'll see the bigger picture and know what it is that they were trying to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, one of the draft picks we didn't mention uh, is that Orlando City picked up a second rounder for Earl Edwards Jr. From D.C. United, yes. So not bad. D.C. gets a backup keeper. We we like Earl. Earl was an original MLS Lion, but a second round pick is actually a higher pick than what Orlando City spent to draft <laughs> Earl Edwards Jr. <laughs> so I, yeah. I think one of the things I've noticed is that Orlando City's been able to get something for nothing this off season. And it's not a lot. I mean, a lot of people have basically um, scoffed at all the third and fourth round picks or basically any draft pick because the MLS super draft does not produce many viable players. And I get that, 
But when you get rid of a player you're going to get rid of anyway and you get something for them, even if it's a lottery ticket, you're, you know, everybody's got that aunt or, or uncle that gives them a lottery ticket for their birthday. And it's like, oh, thanks for the worthless piece of paper, pal. But until you scratch it off, you don't know what you're going to get. There's a chance. It's like right. it's like um, Schrodinger's cat, <laughs> you know, right? It, you're, <laughs> you, you, it's both useless and incredibly valuable. You, but, All you at the know, same time. Right. Yes. <laughs> So uh, uh, a second round pick for a guy that they picked lower the draft than that, um, I think is not bad considering they weren't going to bring him back anyway. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, um, you know, there was, I don't remember who wrote it, but there was a whole article about all the, uh, the goalkeeper moves that are going on, um, including Edwards. And of course, you know, today officially, you know, Bendik being gone, but um, it's like you say, if you're, if you're getting something for nothing, that's not a bad deal. Yeah, and speaking of something for nothing, Orlando City was going to let Bendik walk, as you mentioned, and thanks for that, because that was a perfect segue. He was next on my list. Uh, Orlando City getting much more value for Joe Bendik's rights. I mean, they weren't going to bring him back. And and just uh, as we record this, in four days, he would have been a free agent. Anyone could sign Mm -hmm. him. Um, But by getting rid of him today, trading his rights to the Columbus crew, the crew get the right to be the only team, you know, discussing negotiations for a contract with him for a few days. And they probably have a pretty good idea that they can sign him to make this deal because Orlando city gets $50,000 in targeted allocation money, which is I think much more valuable than any draft pick other than maybe a very high first rounder. Oh yeah. No. And I was, uh, fortunately I was way too busy at work today to engage on social media and inform people that, uh, the people who are complaining that, uh, $50,000 for Joe Bendick was uh, way too low, that he's worth way more than that. Well, of, of course he is in a contract, but that's not what we were talking about. We were talking about the rights mm-hmm. for Joe Bendick. Yeah, so it's, it, it's, it's different. Yeah, it's he's walking for free because the, yeah. the team doesn't want him. They were cutting their losses. They were like, here's our deal. We're not picking up your contract, so we don't want to pay you this much money and have you on our team next year. Uh, the the option that they have, uh, the other option they have is to pick up his contract option and try to trade him after that. But, you know, it's it's not like they weren't trying to find a buyer for him anyway. So they couldn't find one. So they decided not to pick up his option. And then Columbus calls, hey, you know what, we'll give you, we'll give you a little something for his rights because we think we can sign him here in the next few days. Hey, good deal. We got something for a guy we were getting nothing for. So not bad. That's a, that's a good bit of business, and you know, fair play to the club uh, for that. And then mm-hmm. speaking of good business, we'll get into it a little bit later. But the the club did a, a good business move today that a lot of people hated. But we'll get into that in a minute. Um, well, also the one that I want to mention, and if you hadn't, or if you're probably about to, is the uh, Akindele. Yeah, uh, Tesho Akindele is a player that is. It's a bit of a reclamation project, but he's got some talent. Uh, he was behind some guys in Dallas. Um, he's a guy that can come in and provide some. Here's what I think. A lot of people are saying, this guy's not the answer. Of course he's not the answer. What he is is an upgrade yeah. from Jose Villarreal, who never played. You have to. The thing that is going on, or a lot of what's going on this offseason so far, is churning the bottom of the roster. At the bottom of the roster is better. The team's going to be better from top to bottom when they fill in the top spots. Now, they've got a lot of those spots filled. They've got Oriol Rossell. They've got Sané. They've got guys they believe in. They've got Dom Dwyer. 
They've got Sasha Kleschen. I know that some people don't want to hear that, but too bad. He's actually a pretty good player, and you're just blind to it because you hate him from his New York days. You know, statistically, he was one of the team's best midfielders all year. So, right. You know, they've got guys that they believe in. They got they got uh, Josue Coleman, who's still a guy they believe in that he will develop and become a good player. They got Chris Mueller. They believe in him. So these are the guys that are going to be sort of the core. They got to fill in around them with other good players, especially now that they've traded Yoshimaru Tune, and they've got to they've got to have some continuity at the back, uh, which they're hoping to have with a a Sane O'Neill Asquez sort of trio in the back, and then maybe maybe now you're seeing some people kind of slot in on. Um, on either side as a potential wingbacks. I was just about to talk about the additions while I was gone of the two Louisville City guys. They picked up uh, Kyle Smith is a guy who can play on the right side and who is very familiar with um, you know James O'Connor's system. And here, here's a guy who's really an interesting guy. Kyle Smith was a guy who he wasn't really highly uh, touted coming out of high school. Um, in the Cincinnati area, he ended up at Transylvania University, which I didn't even know was a thing. Um, it sounds more like, you know, like a kid's like sort of vampire college movie. So, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm going to take Yeah, Dad, will guess. you take me to see Transylvania University? Um, yeah, you see, you know, werewolves and, and vampires and, and mummies and stuff going to, uh, you know, Frankenstein's going to college together. Uh, but he went to this school and then he graduated. He didn't really think that he was going to be able to take that next step in his career. He became an accountant for two years and was playing like semi-pro. And he paid not once but twice for tryouts with Louisville City. He caught on with Louisville City. And he, and he ends up being a very important player, helping them win two championships in the USL Playing a position he never played before. He never played right back before. So well, the the important things there, of course, is, like you said, he knows O'Connor's system. Right. And also, you know, if he's an accountant, then you know whatever money he makes, he's going to be able to parlay that into you know something pretty good. One would think. Yeah, there you go. So I, I don't know that he's going to be in the plans to start, but I don't know what James O'Connor has in in mind for him. I do know that he was a really good player at the USL level. That doesn't always translate, but at the very least, he's bringing in a guy who knows his James's culture. He knows his system. He knows um, he's he's going to be uh, like a a vocal you know champion for James O'Connor's you know system and and how he does things his his way of doing things. And uh, so is uh, Greg Ranjitsing, who is a, I believe he's a 25-year-old goalkeeper. I think he's 25. And, you know, that's not terribly old for a goalkeeper. He's still young. No. He, I don't know that he's the plan for the the starting job. I don't know what really is going on with the starting goalkeeper job. We may not have our starting goalkeeper on the roster yet, but uh, right now you got Greg Ranjitsing. You've got Adam Grinwis, who did a good job of filling in, but I think we both agree he's not really ready for starting MLS goalkeeper position. And no. you've got Mason Stajahar who really needs to play at a lower level uh, for a full season before he even gets a real look uh, with the first team. But I'm sure he'll he'll get that this year. So, well, this is one of those things that was on my Christmas list that I haven't gotten yet. Uh, the starting goalkeeper? Starting goalkeeper. Okay, well, you know. 
It's possible you were naughty this year. It's given everything that happened today. I think I might have been. <laughs> All right. So, Dave, why don't we talk about the big one uh, before we get into some of the transfer rumors and, um, you know, the big one, of course, came down today. Yoshimaru Yotun uh, and his agent brought a a an offer to Orlando City from Cruz Azul in Liga MX. Cruz Azul is believe they were one of the top two or three teams this year. I think they played in the final and lost the final, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, you know, Orlando City did not want to get rid of Yoshimaru Yotun. They wanted to keep him. He's a very important player on the team, and they, he was one of the pieces that I was talking about a minute ago, part of the core. They're going to build around this core. Yep. But the, if the player wants to go, you can't hold him hostage. So, you know, they made him some offers. Uh, they they made him a, a couple of different offers contract wise. I'm sure they're limited in what they can do because from what I'm hearing, Nicky Budalic left the money situation in a bit of a mess, um, and that's not surprising when you look at the you look at the, the the salaries and you look at see what guys are making and what, what Sane makes and what uh, Dwyer's getting and what Sasha Kleshton's getting. And, and uh, you know, all the money that's being spent in the midfield right now with Rossell and Aguida and Johnson. And, you know, as we, we've heard the and rumors the money that was lost, right? We've heard the rumors that, that a, a player triggered his option contract pickup by getting an X number of starts, which is believed to be Will Johnson. So now you're stuck with either buying him out at the start of next year or keeping him on the roster, which I could see a situation where James O'Connor would use him as a right wing back in a 3-4-3 because he has played right back for this this team. I don't know that you can count on a right back, a Will Johnson right back all season, um, but as a wing back, he might actually be a better fit. And And Honestly, in, in James O'Connor's system, I'm not sure there is a better fit for Will Johnson on the team than, than the right wing back situation. Yeah. I mean, he's got the hustle and, you know, obviously he's he's filled in at, you know, right back before, which is not a good position for him necessarily. But you're a right wing back is um, of anything that, you know, he's kind of a he's a bit of a Swiss Army knife, but, um, you know, that's his his main blade, so to speak, uh, position, you know, if he's going to you know be with the team. Yeah, I mean, he can cross the ball. He's a good passer. He's uh, he can take set pieces. He does a lot of things for you. I think James O'Connor likes him. I mean, he did get you know tons of minutes under James. So uh, even when everybody else yeah. was getting um, you know getting looks, so I think that's a possibility. But the point is, there's a lot of money being spent. Uh, Yoshimar Yotun now will enable Orlando to have some more flexibility that they really didn't expect in this offseason because as as Nicky Budalich said before the season even ended. There's going to be some movement in the middle and bottom part of the roster, but the top part of the roster, there's not a lot of flexibility. Well, now there is some flexibility because Yoshimari Otun uh, sold to Cruz Azul today and reportedly for $4 million. Now, if you believe the numbers that are out there, there's no reason to doubt J- Jordan Culver's story. $4 million is, sounds like a reasonable amount. But if you believe transfer market, he was originally signed from Malmo for $800,000. Now that's a, this is gets back to that bit of business. I was talking about earlier, the good business, $3.2 million 
benefit or, or, or you know, mm-hmm. that, that the club made on this player. Now, granted, they would have liked to have had Yoshi for another year or two, you know, before selling oh, yeah. him on. But, you know, if the player wanted to move on, he and his agent went out and found the deal. Orlando City got the best deal they could. $4 million is pretty good. In fact, uh, Darren Neal's in Atlanta has said that he hasn't had an offer yet for Miguel Almiron, and he was he had been saying something to the tune of he needs to see a number with at least a th- that, that at least begins with number three. Or I'm assuming that's three million dollars and not thirty million, and I'm also assuming it's not three dollars, <laughs> even though the Houston Dynamo no, I, did offer three dollars and fifty cents for him. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Well, that <laughs> I did not. That was hilarious. That's that's a. Uh, that's a very solid offer there. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be about 350. So Yotun, not a lion anymore. That's too bad because I think everybody loved Yotun. Uh, we did. And once again, we get uh, we get back to my Christmas list. That was uh, one of the things was to keep him, and and he's gone. Which uh, you know, like you said, four mil, okay. It eases the pain a bit, um, especially because it, like you say, it does free up some space at the top of the roster, um, and. Uh, it's he he did a ton. He was without a doubt the best player on the field many times during last season. But um, that doesn't mean that we can't go out and you know build a team with O'Connor's system and you know be able to uh, if not replace at least um, you know mitigate the loss of Yoshi and and maybe even replace. Who knows? We we might find you know the the next Yoshi who's a little bit younger. I love Yoshi, Dave, but here's here's my thought on the way that Orlando City was using him because of the fact that the team, uh, you know, missed on the Justin Miram deal. Um, Villarreal never stepped up. You know, the, the team really lacked attacking midfield players last year that were dynamic. I think that Yoshi was being relied upon to play a role that he's, you know, not best suited for. Now, he can do it in this league because he's that good and he's at that level. Right. But he's not an attacking midfielder, Dave. I mean, the, you want an attacking no. midfielder who can score goals. He's not a good. He's not a goal scorer. He's never been a big goal scorer. He's got a big foot and can put, you know, put these thunderous shots toward the net. But he hardly ever connects on them. And, you know, his set pieces are pretty good. But basically, most of his goals were were penalties. And, you know, he's if he's up forward, he's not able to 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 give you that defensive coverage in central midfield that you're that that he really does excel in now peru uses him as a central midfielder and a left back now orlando city has kind of flirted with that a few times and had him sort of run the offense from the central midfield uh but he's you know this team needs a real number 10 uh sasha kleshin wasn't that last year now i don't know that that was sasha kleshin's fault because there was a lot of stuff going on last year. There was a re- yeah. there was a revolving door roster or lineup every week. There was somebody new hurt. There was somebody new in the lineup. He never never really had built a rapport with Justin Miram, which I don't think was Kleshin's fault. I think Miram just never really made the transition. And you know, so a and lot Kleshin of Kleshin himself was injured. So yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, he he started the season with a two game suspension. He had. Uh, he had that, that ankle and knee situation when Brandon by tackled him f- from behind, uh, just an ugly horror tackle. It was, there were, there were other factors in the team. The fact is you saw a number of times, and I know that, that fans booed him for, for, 
you know, passes that didn't come off, but, you know, he's seeing the game at a level that a lot of his teammates weren't seeing. He's like, okay, this guy's going to go over here. Let me put it there. Nope, he didn't go there. <laughs> you know, it's so it looks bad when you kick the ball to a corner and no one goes yeah. to the corner. I mean, it it, it just does. And it, I will tell you that and Sasha Kleshin will tell you that he didn't have his best season. Um, I and I think that when he did come back from his leg injury, I don't. I think it. I don't. Th- I think he was playing hurt for at least a good two or three weeks before he started to come around again because he just didn't look right. He wasn't moving well, and everybody's like, oh. He's old. He's washed up because, you know, that's what people do when someone's over 30. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But um, I don't think it was his age. I don't think it was his conditioning. I mean, he I think he led the team in minutes. And that's even losing. And that's even when he, he missed, you know, missed a few games. But I think he I think he led the team in minutes this year. So, yeah, it's like you said, it, I, and I don't want to – I'm going to catch heck for this. I'm not comparing him to Kaká, but there were times where Kaká would do things and the team around him didn't know what the heck he was doing and they kind of just watched. Uh, not that that was happening with Sasha, but like you said, he would pass it – you know, he's he's thinking, okay, this is where this person should go. Let me pass it there. They wouldn't go there. It, it makes you look foolish and, you know – Coming into Orlando City, you know, he was the assist leader for, what, a couple years? So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's it's not like we went out and got an unknown. It's just when he got here and everything, the the mountain of different issues that happened, uh, you know, after the the win streak and when we started to lose streak, the, the mountain of things that went wrong and weird and sideways and injuries and everything else. Um, are going to affect everybody on the team. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Sasha was no exception to that. He played for three different coaches. That was part of it as well. I mean, uh, it, it just was never comfortable. It looked like it was going to be a 4-4-2, Sasha at the top of the diamond. Um, I think it was only four games before Christ scrapped that and went to the 4-2-3-1. Um, there were times when, you know, he – he made some good attempts to get the ball to Dom, but everybody knew the ball was going to Dom. So that it was pretty easy to cut those lanes out and nobody on the left side ever stepped up after Miram left and Chris Mueller kind of fell off the table on the right side. So that's going to kill your attack right there. Yeah. If, <laughs> if you feel, if you, if there's one lane, it's easy to block it. Exactly. So, you know, I, I think that I, I don't expect, I mean, it's still Sasha still finished. What? Second on the team in goals and third in assists, I think. So yeah, he had. I mean, for uh, on a bad team, he had a, a decent year among other bad performances. Exactly. Nobody did great this year. Uh, Twenty eighteen was not a banner year, but um, you know when you when you look at 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 Kleshin's season statistically, he was still among the top performers, and you know he wasn't where he needs to be, and I think he'll be better this year. But, you know, I, I think everybody needs to take a deep breath where Sasha Kleshin's concerned. <laughs> um, I don't think he suddenly became decrepit in one offseason. I don't think he suddenly forgot how to play in one offseason. Um, I think it was just it was just the perfect storm of suckitude last year uh, for Orlando City from top to bottom. And, um, you know, I'm hoping that we've now hit rock bottom and that we will start clawing our way out. 
Well, <laughs> if if that's not the case, then well, we're all in trouble. But yeah, so hopefully, hopefully that is indeed the case. All right, so let's talk about some of the rumors now. The we've talked, we touched on the the uh, Danny Acosta uh, from RSL rumor uh, that would bring in a player at left back that can also play center back. Um, he's young, I think he's 21. He's a homegrown. He played uh, for the USU 20s with Tommy Redding. Um, I think that he's a player that could be useful, but I don't think he'll be relied upon right away. He did start part of the season for RSL last year. Um, so that's not that's not a bad player to pick up. Again, he's a guy that would essentially be taking PC slot on the roster. So again, addition, you know, getting better at the bottom of the roster, churning the bottom of the roster. Good, it would be a good move. Uh, the Lions also are targeting Dave. Uh, this came out today as well. A actually, they're not just targeting him. We've we actually have a, we think this is about 99% done, but of course nothing's 100% done until it's announced. Uh, but the rumors uh, out of Ecuador this morning uh, were about uh, Jackson Sebastian Mendez, uh, and he is a 21-year-old Ecuadorian midfielder who has a lot of the same skill sets as Yoshimar Yotun. He's a central midfielder. He can play attacking. He can play defensive. Uh, he's not a big goal scorer. He's uh, a lot, obviously, a lot younger than Yoshi. Um, mm-hmm. He does uh, draw fouls. He's, you know, as Yoshi does, he's also much taller than Yoshi at 5'11". Yes. And Yoshi's a little guy. So this young Ecuadorian guy who's played already with the Ecuador national team uh, I think he's got eight caps for the uh, for his national team already at age 21. Um, that might be a good pickup, but that's, a, again, a guy who's he's going to come in and he's going to be, a, like, my thought here is he's replacing a Richie Larea. Right. It's it's the, when, when I mentioned earlier, you know, that maybe we get the, the next, you know, Yoshi-type player, uh, that can grow into that. Well, this is, this is that type of player. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously he's not going to have the, the experience or the skill level of Yoshi as of yet, but the upside is there. This, you know, his ceiling is pretty high. Uh, as you said, you know, already has caps, you know, at 21, um, and you know, five foot 11 height. You you can't teach height. So exactly. You know, I, I, I like it. And if, the, and, if uh, you could, someone should teach it to me. Me too. <laughs> um, here's where I was talking a little bit earlier about the uh, people start to lose their minds uh, when players get over 30. Is The biggest off-season uh, rumor that we've heard is the uh, announcement was a few days ago that Flamengo number 10, Diego Ribas, uh, was maybe a target for Orlando City. He's got um, a little time left on his contract. He's on, under contract to uh, July, uh, and he his you know the player in this case the player's preference is to stay with Flamengo. Now uh, Flamengo is a good team. I think they finished second in the most recent season in Brazil. That's uh, a, Brazil's top teams are very good. Brazil's top yes, teams are. would come in here and they would all make the MLS playoffs. All of the top yes. teams in Brazil would come in and make the playoffs here. Good teams. Um, and Diego Rivas, one of the best number 10s in the league, he's playing at a very high level. Now he's 33 years old, and he'll be 34 
just a few days before the season kicks off. So, of course, Orlando City fans on social media were, no thank you. <laughs> we don't want this player who's capable of playing for a much better team than the one we root for. <laughs> we just, you have to do better than that. I get that you don't want a guy who you're only renting for a couple of years. I get that. But if you have a chance to get a special player, and as our, our own Guillermo Torres, who's, he's Brazilian, he's from Brazil, he keeps a very close eye, eye on uh, Serie A. He knows this player very well from watching him many times. Um, he says he would be easily Orlando City's best player. Now, think about how much you like Yoshimaru Yotun, and then think of a player who might be actually built to play the position that Yoshimaru Yotun has been playing for Orlando City. And has experience yeah. playing that position. Yeah, exactly. So this is a guy who could help the team immensely. I get that he's over 30, but there's numerous guys in this league that I would take that are over 30. People, yeah. Like, I pointed this out to people. Diego Valeri's over 30. Ignacio Piatti is older than Diego Rivas. Who wouldn't take Ignacio Piatti? Uh, nobody. Everybody would take him. Dave Zlatan is 37 years old. Right, yeah. Is anybody <laughs> going to... I mean... Wayne Rooney is a... Few... David Villa... Yeah, David Villa. Yeah, David Villa. Thirty-seven. Wayne Rooney, I think, is only a few months younger than Rivas. Now people are like, "Oh, yeah, but those are world-class players. They're one percent." You don't watch if you don't watch Brazilian soccer, you don't know that he's one of these types of players. Where do you think Valeri and Piatti came from? They came from South America. Nobody knew who they were in the U.S. before they came here, unless you you know happened to be watching Argentinian leagues. Not to mention the fact that you know. If Brazil is one of the best soccer nations in the world, mm -hmm. bar none. Well, that's the other you problem, know. Dave, because a lot of the fans that I've seen, I'm open about it on social media. Are too many Brazilians. Oh. Brazilians get all the get all the uh, the favoritism because uh, okay. you know, because of the ownership and the and the management. It's like let's break this down, Florida way. Uh, that's like going to a college football program and a Wisconsin team saying, nah, nah, we don't want too many Florida guys. Yeah, that's, that's a very good analogy, actually. Um, yeah, nobody ever, nobody ever had too many Brazilians. Um, you know, all those years that Brazil was, you know, winning, competing for World Cups and winning World Cups, nobody said, uh, they probably, they probably have too many Brazilians. They can't win it. Um, but... <laughs> It, it really drives me insane because here's a player who's, yeah, you might only get two years out of him, but you might get four or five. Who knows? We don't. Every age hits everybody yeah. differently. Now this is not like a Kaká situation. Kaká had a number of injury problems before coming here. He was already well on the downside of his career, and right. he still, on his better days, was amazing and running circles yes. around people. This guy yes. is has not had the durability problems. He's not had the 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 long absences with injuries. He's not had that. He still he still has good pace in his legs. He's still able to see the field very well. He's a good set piece taker, which is something we need now that Yoshimaru Tune is gone. Um, this is a guy that could help the team. The other thing about this is he's a true number ten, uh, which this team has has really, I mean. 
we had Kaká, and we've had no other true number ten. And right. and even Kaká was forced, I think, to do a lot more than he should have had to do because those first couple years, let's face it, the, the roster wasn't that great. Yeah. Um, well, it's just the way it was. You know, add into it that okay, I understand the complaint is let's get the let's get the younger guy who can do the same things that we can have for several years. Okay, well, like you said, one, we don't know that we won't have him for several years. Two, this gives you the opportunity to bring that younger guy in that you can develop that can learn from him and you know, uh, sub in for him, but you then have that, that experience, that leadership, uh, that skill, um, all on the field while we're doing, which as we all know, we are rebuilding like it or not, we're rebuilding the amount of stuff that's going on. It's simply a fact. Mm -hmm. If you can have a guy like that during that time period where you're rebuilding, if you can have a number 10 that has the experience to come in and play at that level while doing that, that's huge. Yeah, the the thing that the thing that we also don't know is right now Moosey's been on the Moosey's been on what well, he's been on the job since the eighteenth. So as we record this, nine days. One of those days was Christmas. So we haven't seen what he's doing to the roster yet. We haven't seen the overall build. Sometimes you make a move with another move in mind. Uh, I don't know that this Mendez guy would be necessarily the future number 10. Um, perhaps the, the thought here is to bring, and again, this may not come off. This is, we know that this, there's serious talks. We know that they're seriously looking into bringing in Diego Rivas to see what the feasibility is. We believe that Flamengo would like to unload his salary because he's one of the higher play, paid players on their team and that they wouldn't, they, that, that we believe they would release him and, and we wouldn't have to wait until the summer window to get him is what I'm trying to spit out, but I can't talk. Um, we believe that that's the case. We don't know that. We don't know that this deal's even going to happen, but what if Diego Rebus comes in and mentors Josue Coleman? Coleman was, right. was signed to be a number, the number 10 of the future. But if you don't have the, a number 10 of the present that can teach him to do that, you know, I don't I don't know where you go from there. And I, I know people are going to say, well, I thought Sasha Kleshin was our number 10. I think Sasha Kleshin is going to be working a, a little bit deeper in the field under James O'Connor because he doesn't have the pace that he had. I think he's going to be pulling the strings from further back than he, he was in the past. And, and I think we saw the beginnings of that the last month of the season, I think, that we didn't see Kleshin getting forward quite as much in the attack. And you saw Yoshimar Yotun actually playing in front of Kleshin a lot more. So I think that that's what's going to happen. But uh, without, right. without, So then if you do that and you put an actual number 10 up there... Right. You might, you might get a little bit better results. But the thing that I, I really want to hammer home is we don't have a clear picture of, of what the roster is going to look like on opening day. So there's really no sense in getting bent out of shape about it now because over one not even real signing but a rumored signing because we don't know what this roster is going to look like we don't know what the it's kind of like when you see there's a painting this painting is covered up by a can by like a, a cloth and you can only see the corner and you see a playing card and you go damn it it's not gonna be a great work of art it's gonna be dogs playing poker because you see a playing card in the corner but then you pull the thing off and it's like this beautiful mosaic you know we don't know what it's going to look like right 
but and and the fact is that most people thought this this hire of this new GM coming in from FC Dallas was a good hire. Most people said, "Oh, that's a good hire. That's, that's that guy's probably going to do a good job." But now you're going to complain about this. I mean, maybe trust the process just a little bit. I mean, otherwise you may as well just take your fire Mootsie, uh, uh you know, hashtag to, to Twitter now and, and just, you know, get it going now. Well, and they will, especially now that you told them <laughs> they had permission. Because uh, <laughs> that's, that's, how, that's how the internets roll. But, uh, yeah, you're right. And it's, I, th- I think a lot of the, having, having, patience after a year like that is hard for some i get it um, yeah i mean it, it absolutely is but we warned them yes we, we warned did. you when you called for crisis head that there was a huge overhaul coming and nobody bought it nobody believed it and of course the, the club didn't help that out with well we have the players in place that we think can win and get us to the playoffs yeah. all we need is a new coach <sighs> oh so naive. I, i'm i'm pretty sure that we said that that wasn't true yeah uh, as in, in Game of Thrones parlance, oh, you sweet summer child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not, it's not realistic. It's, no. um, but, I, you know, I have to be, I have to be positive. I can't, I can't stand the constant negativity. And the negativity of the fans that we have is just, granted, it's a vocal minority. Like, for example, when we put the, the top 10 moments of the year and, and number five, I think it was, was Sasha Kleshin signing because it was a big moment. Everybody at the time was excited about it. And statistically, like we just explained, he had a top year among Orlando City players. That's not saying a lot. Low bar, I know. But even on crap teams, somebody has to be the best. Right. And, you know, I didn't get any pushback on Twitter. I didn't get any pushback on our own website comments. But on Facebook, oh my God, was it negative. It was like the Facebook comments are the new YouTube comments. Yes. Yes. I, if you want if you want to go find the crazy, go to the Facebook. That's I, where the crazy I is at. Get that you're hurting. I get that you're that you're We're hurting. You know, you don't have to show me on the doll where Orlando City hurt you. Because <laughs> we we're hurting. <laughs> yes. We're we're fans. <laughs> I know that, you know, yes, we do this podcast. Yes, we write for the mainland. Yes, we have to, you know, and that gives us certain perspectives that we've talked about. But as I've said before, at our hearts our hearts are fans, and when you hurt, we're hurting. We simply have to then set that aside and do a job. That we we, we don't get paid enough for the amount of hurt that we got this last year. You know, nobody does. <laughs> nobody, <laughs> uh, nobody nobody does. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah, it's you can choose to be miserable, and you can choose to be. This is another crap move. I mean, what are you expecting? It's It doesn't happen every day. You don't get to go out and sign an Al Marone and a Joseph Martinez in the same year because I, I hate to break it to you. I'm not going to be conspiracy theory guy, but I'm gonna, not going to – I'm just going to break this to you as gently as I can. Not every team just gets to have magically have guys that are on nobody's discovery list. Magically yeah. on nobody's I'm, – I'm air quoting the hell out of this right now. Yes. Not on anyone's discovery list. Um you have Arthur Blank as an owner, they might suddenly find their way onto your discovery list. I'm sure a brand new team can just come in with a discovery list, and no one in MLS has those players on their list, right? That happens all the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> so well, uh, we we saw it in action. I mean, Minnesota had the same thing. Oh wait. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Do you see Minnesota signing guys of that caliber? It's not that they don't want them. It's not that it, there's not a team in this league that didn't know that didn't have somebody in the front office that knew about Joseph Martinez and knew about Miguel Almiron and knew yeah. about Hector Vialba and knew about uh, Yamil Assad. People knew about these guys. But when you're Garber South, it's it's there's a team in the southeast U.S. that is getting the treatment that the L.A. Galaxy used to get and kind of still does. Yes, that's all I'm saying. Uh, but I'm not going to throw any conspiracy theories out there because that's not my way. So we have to we have to be a sporting Kansas City. We have to be a Columbus Crew. We that's who Orlando City has to be. And we have to do things the way that those clubs would do it to win. We have to be maybe a Portland Timbers. Um, but as you you know, as those teams have shown, it can be done. And Absolutely. You, and you can get to the highest heights of this game by doing that. So, you know, it, it is what it is. We, we've got the rebuild going. We knew it was going to happen as soon as Jason Christ was let go. We knew that an overhaul was coming because that's what typically happens. It's not – this is not Chelsea. This is not, you know, Manchester City. You get a new coach. You don't come in and, and say, oh, I already have, like, the best players in the world at every position. Yeah. You don't get to say that. Um, so, it, it you know, James O'Connor, he doesn't even play the same shape as, as uh, Jason Christ does. You knew that the overhaul was coming. It was always going to come. We warned you. Didn't matter. <laughs> It didn't matter what Alex Leitao said in that press conference. I wasn't buying that. You know, win with the players we got. We can definitely do it. No, no, you can't. <laughs> as, it tur- as it turns out, you're only winning two more games the rest of the year. <laughs> the great thing, as I'm listening to you, the great thing in my head is um, I, I'm hearing you talking to the listener. We told you, darn it, that this is going to happen. And I'm sitting there going, you know what? We did, and they can go back and they can listen and and find where we did that. And it's not a it's it's not a you know we were right, darn it. It's just that it's if you're going to complain about it, and you're going to complain about it to us, <laughs> just remember we told you it was going to happen. We said it was going to even at the beginning of the year when the team started out oh two and one when people were already fire Christ hashtag fire Christ. We said. <laughs> Do you really want to start all over? Because that's what's going to happen. Right. And, and you know, so it, I don't, I'm not doing it to say I was right. Because I, I, I really wanted that team to work out. Yeah. If you would have asked me in January or mid-February, whatever, before any time before the season started, what are your predictions for your, for the mainland's top 10 moments of the year? I was 100% sure that my top moment of the year was going to be first playoff appearance or first playoff victory even. Yeah. I was sure that in the top three would be Justin Miram signing. That didn't happen. <laughs> no. And if you go back and listen, especially after, you know, we're in the midst of that win streak, uh, we were giddy. I mean, we didn't, we almost didn't know what to do with it all. And, uh, yes, it all came crashing down. We're, we're all very well aware. But, like you said, I mean, it, 
if you go back even further and listen to the the preseason stuff, where we talk about the acquisitions, we talk about bringing in Mara, and we talk about bringing in Kleshton, um it was on paper, it looked very good. Yeah, and, add Rosell, add Sane, add Coleman, right. all of this. It all looked very, very good. It just never. It, it went the worst possible way it could, <laughs> which is not the most. Like if you go find statistically, it should not. That sh- last season should not have happened. It did, which is the it was the outlier. So hopefully, you know, if you look at it from a you know mathematical statistical standpoint, this season shouldn't go as badly. No matter what. But I'm knocking on wood here. But yeah, I was. I, I got so I got some around here too. <laughs> there we go. Wood bat. Knock, knock, knock. Yeah. But you know, point being is that uh, it was a historically weird and bad season. That uh, three coaches, all the injuries, um, formation changes. Uh, players going back to Columbus there was there's almost too much to talk about and so um, because of that I think some people in regards to the question thing um, or may, maybe they're actually not missing that because like you said they didn't give you any grief for it so maybe maybe the general listening and reading uh, public of the mainland are reasonable people we just we we want to hear from you guys. Yeah. I did say it was the vocal minority. The vocal minority right. is is the they're the worst. They're, they're the ones the that make you. They're the ones that make you not want to read the comments. But so so if you're one of the the, the <laughs> non vocal majority, let us know. Yeah. Get on Twitter. Tell us something. We would love to hear from you guys. Yeah, and and it's not that you're not entitled to your opinion. It's just that it gets so old to be just battered with the same stuff all year long and. Um, and now for four years. So here's the thing. It, it's There's a new general manager. There's a new director of scouting where previously there was no director of scouting. Um, both of them come from good organizations. They seem to be you know, have good pedigrees. There's a coach in place that the players seem to like, that he has been successful at the USL level, is considered widely as one of the best young coaches in the game. He's a guy who could be here 20 years if he's, you know, if he is able to get the ball rolling um, and, and, and become, you know, one of the all time real greats in this league, but he's going to need to get some support. He's going to need the players to do it. He's going to need to get some success so that he's not put on that, that instant hot seat. And I know he's probably already there because of the way the team finished the season. But I think that the seeds of that ending were sown in May Oh, well before May and June. O'Connor ever got here, yeah. So it, it, it was, it's rough. But I, I'd like to see James O'Connor succeed. I'd like to see the the front office have the patience to have him succeed. The problem is now you've brought in a GM after a coach is in place. So he really doesn't have a whole lot of margin for for error. And that's the that's the risk you run when you don't replace them both at the same time. I mean, you, you have to kind of... I mean, I think maybe the smart move would have been to get rid of Nikki last year and and to bring the new GM in before they hired the new coach. Maybe that was the way to go. But um, 
But, I think we we might have even said something along yeah, those lines but before. The, but with the company line of we believe in these players, that would not have looked like they believe in those players if they fired the GM at that time. So really, they made their own bed. The front office of the team made their own bed. They have to lie in it. And um, hopefully they'll be patient with this with this coach, with the next group of players. It's going to take a couple of – it's not going to be just done in this transfer window. It's going to take a couple of windows. Um, but we'll see what happens. I'm – that's the thing about sports is that you, all you can do is see what happens next. It's it's maybe it's the old the old Chicago Cubs wait till next year. Wait till um, next year. Um, um, you know mantra, but that's all you can do at this point, and it doesn't do you any good to sit to just wallow you know wallow in in misery and say we're gonna suck for years. Um, you know, well, sports sports is like that. Sometimes you root for a team that isn't very good. Hi, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. Nice to meet you. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, it does pay off at some point when things get turned around and hopefully that is going to happen. Hopefully we've hit rock bottom, but let's see what the new regime does. We have a GM who seems to have some, you know, good background in this league, seems to have some good eye for talent. Uh, we have a guy who was successful bringing in players into um, Columbus from South America in our new director of scouting. Let's put these guys together. Let's put James O'Connor in the same room with them. Let's get them all on the same page. Let's build a team, and let's get this done. And, it's again, it's going to take a couple windows. We'll see what happens. And, you know, if if the worst, worst happens, you're blowing it up again and starting over. But there's no sense in planning for the worst. Just enjoy the ride wherever it takes you. The only thing that I can add to that is whatever happens, we'll be here to talk about it <laughs> for you. Yes, this is our both our blessing and our curse. This is our blessing and our curse. Yes, it is. All right. So, Dave, I think that's good. Did we talk about all the moves and all the rumors? I'm pretty sure we've we've touched on any everything. Um, I'm certain that we then because I, I feel that way. I'm certain that we missed something, but if we did, somebody will let us know. All right. So um, what else has happened since we last talked? Some team with jail stripe uniforms um, won uh, MLS Cup, but we don't really need to talk about that. They lost their coach, yeah. so you know how great could that be if their coach is bailing on them? I um, imagine they'll probably lose some players too. Yeah. Speaking of coaches that we've lost, Siggy Schmidt passed this week, and that's uh, that's a blow to the game yes. uh, of soccer in the U.S. And a lot of people see him as, you know, the, you know, a lot of people that haven't been around long kind of think, well, he's an old guy who coached the Galaxy, and they weren't very good. And he coached Seattle, and they weren't very good, and they fired him. But Siggy Schmidt was a really uh, instrumental force mm-hmm. in in MLS. He's he's a guy who won three titles as a college coach at ucla he won five u.s open cups dave he won mls cup twice he won it with two different teams i think three supporter shields um he's a guy who won all the hardware a couple coach of the year awards uh in college and in a couple in the pros he's done it all and winning his coach in mls history so respect is is due there i was a I was a, an Ohioan, and I moved out of Columbus. I graduated the year that uh, I graduated from college, the year that the crew started playing. So I had a little bit of crew fandom in me um, 
from that, but I wasn't. I I didn't attend any games before I left Columbus, and I had gone. I'd saw. I seen a couple on TV, but I hadn't gone uh, down to the stadium because at the time they were playing Ohio Stadium, um, and so I kind of rooted for them from afar for years when I was you know around different parts of the country, and I watched them whenever they could, and and he he brought them a championship. Um, yeah. and, and I will always uh, appreciate him for that. It was a, it was a fun team to watch. And, um, of course this was long before Orlando city was even a gleam in anyone's eyes. So, well, lest you, you know. think I have split, uh, <laughs> split loyalties. I do not. I've been here since the beginning. So, uh, right. I've seen this club grow and I've, I've become a, a, a big fan of it. So, well, look, you know, Schmidt, he was, he's an MLS legend. You know, he's, I mean, you've already listed all the accolades and um, it is a loss uh, to soccer in this country uh, with his passing. Um, You know, hopefully if you're listening to this podcast, then you are an MLS supporter, an MLS fan. Um, And this is... I used to work for the Florida Trail Association, which the Florida Trail is a national scenic trail, much like the Appalachian Trail, which everybody's heard of. And sadly, there's probably listeners who live in Florida that never heard of the Florida Trail, and I was a big advocate for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was an uphill battle all the time. Just like being an MLS fan is an uphill battle when you're having to talk with people about you know Bundesliga and, and Premier League and um, La Liga and all the rest. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not that it's not worth it. It doesn't mean that it's not a worthwhile league. It doesn't mean that it's not growing. And Siggy was a big part of that. And um, you know those of us who support MLS owe him a debt of gratitude for everything that he did for the game in this country and in particular for MLS. So his passing is, um, unfortunate. Um, of course that, that is the way of, of life, but, um, still we should, uh, we should all be thankful for the time that he gave us, especially in regards to the game that we love. Yeah, exactly. So well said. And, um, you know, uh, certainly our condolences to the friends, family, and former players of Siggy Schmidt and, um, and to all the fans of the teams that he left his mark on. And there were, there were several. So, uh, let's see, Orlando pride news. We talked about it. There is no pride coach. There is no pride coach. That is not a good thing, but it, they have to be getting close. They have to be getting close, uh, to hiring a coach. We're two weeks out from the draft. Not that the pride have a lot of draft picks because as you know, Dave, Tom Sermani was allergic to the NWSL draft, <laughs> and he would part with those draft picks as fast as they came in. He he gave out those draft picks like I give out business cards. Yeah. So, um, in fact, we we just while we were like on the air, you're we preparing to be on the air. Uh, Jordan Culver of the of Pro Soccer USA has. Uh, tw- uh, posted a story about the pride being in the final stages of their coaching search. So it may be even by the time this thing goes live, maybe the pride will have a coach. That sounds like, that sounds like that would be true because that's typically how these things happen for us. Yeah, pretty much. So, you know, uh, that's good news. Now, again, if they're waiting for the GM to come in, the GM's only been on the job nine days. One of those days was Christmas. You got to give the guy a chance. 
Gotta, gotta give the guy a few a few days to uh, to come up to to come up with this, especially when all with all these deals that have been going on, all the 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 deals that have been made, the deals that have been uh, that we know are in discussions and and, and under consideration. Um, you got to give the guy a few minutes to uh, to hire a coach, and it looks like maybe that's finally in the final stages. We we one can hope. We yes, I, I know that they whittled down their. They had they had a search list. They had some uh, some people come in. I I was told that some people had had interviewed, but I don't know how like if it was just preliminary interviews. If people actually came in for you know final interviews and sit downs and whatnot, I don't know that. But I do know did know that they had been working on it, and maybe now with all that data to share with um, with the new general manager, maybe they are ready to make that make the offer, make the decision. You know, it's. Uh, Certainly wouldn't suck. Wouldn't well, suck. it was it was on my Christmas list, so. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's it's I all mean, about look, you, Dave. Yeah, well, the one thing that was on the Christmas list that I I figured I wouldn't get was uh, naming rights and and naming it after me. I mean, that's a that's a bit too far, but I was hoping for a pride coach. Well, it looks like we will have one by next week, so the week of the new year. Uh, looks like we will we will have a coach prior to the uh, the draft on the 10th of January. So Which means we'll get to talk about it next month. So then the new coach will come in, see what they've got, see what they like and don't like about the roster, and then we'll have a whole new slew of moves. And uh, <laughs> we've got some stuff to do because you know um, yeah we're going to be missing some some key players for a large chunk of the season with the World Cup. We've got uh, Sydney LaRue is with child, so she's not going to be very helpful this season. Um, not that we begrudge her. No, no. This is a, a, a much more important life event. More, more dire LaRue children in the world that will eventually become great soccer players, whether men or women. Right. They've, 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 that's a good thing. They've given us a future lion already. Let's have them give us a future pride player. That would be awesome. Yeah. I think that they're. I think they're. They're gonna do nope. it. They're gonna nope. do it for us. No pressure though. If it's another <laughs> lion, that's also fine. Yeah, I mean, because you can you can always use more strikers and attacking midfielders and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dave, the Orlando Sea Wolves. I have to tell you, I've been to a few of their games now, and they are a lot of fun to watch. But not a lot of people are going to watch them. Um, it's it's been a pretty sparse crowd down there at Silver Spurs Arena. I know that their first two home games were on a. On Fridays, which it's difficult to get down to Kissimmee, um, you know, for a Friday night game uh, after now working. Uh, but it's a blast to watch. And I have to say, I I, I talked to, to Luke Bowden after the first game and just it was evident on his face how much fun he was having playing playing indoor soccer. And it was evident that Tyler Turner is learning indoor soccer <laughs> he's not uh, he's not quite there yet uh although he had a pretty good game in their first win the other uh, the other day last week they got their first victory uh against mississauga uh 12 to 7 a, a real shootout after they had been one of the better defensive clubs in the league the first couple of weeks they had uh their their opening night was a, a 5-4 loss in a shootout uh there's only wins and losses in masl you don't you don't get a, a, a tie or a shootout point or anything. You you either win the game or you lose the game. Uh, if it doesn't go in regulation, you go to over, extra time, and then after extra time, you have the shootout. So they, they lost the penalty shootout against uh, St. Louis. 
Um, what I'm told is a much improved St. Louis team, which wasn't very good last year. And that was uh, that was the team's first game, and they looked really good. Uh, of course, Luke Bowden scored the team's first goal. Um, Lewis Neal scored in the game in the first game. Um, it was it was it was magical to see all these uh, former Lions playing really well in the indoor game. Then the second game, they played th- uh, three-time defending champion Baltimore Blast. Uh, and they got beat, um, but it was a close game. It was one to one at halftime, and they ended up losing four to one. So again, they they it's a very low scoring game when you only allow four game four goals in the indoor game. Now I have to interrupt here because okay. uh, um, I have a little bit of split loyalty here in that I grew up in Baltimore, and the Baltimore Blast have been around so long that I actually, as a child remember going to see their their games so they've been around forever and um i you know i'm i'm orlando so i'm gonna go for the sea wolves uh but if the blasts do well aside from that i'm not going to be too upset uh you know old loyalties and all that but uh uh that to give you an idea of how long the baltimore blasts have been around i was i'm i'm 47 and i remember going as a child so it's been a darn long time right so they they were zero and two to start the season uh but they were very competitive and uh they they still have a player that's from england that's uh one of the, like england's one of their top futsal players uh-huh. and he hasn't quite gotten his paperwork through yet to to be able to play so he's not eligible yet so they and they've got another player who's one of their better players who's been hurt so he hasn't played yet at all so the team is still not quite where it's typical orlando right of course. <laughs> They're not not quite all there. Uh, they lost uh, one of their goalkeepers on opening night to an injury. <laughs> um, but they beat Mississauga 12-7 the other night. And Johnny Mendoza, former USL Orlando City player, scored a hat trick in that game. And also nice. drew, he also drew a penalty to help set up a fourth goal. Um, Luke Bowden scored a brace in that game. Nice. Um, Lewis Neal had an assist in that game. And Tyler Turner had two assists in that game, so the outdoor guys did really well. So it's a it's a fun score fest uh, with air conditioning or heat, is what you're saying. Yeah, you don't get rained on at all at, at uh, Sea Wolves games. So my only my only question is, it's really weird that they haven't been well attended because I know that last podcast we told people to go to the games. We did. So I, my only question is, is why aren't you people listening to us? Did both of our listeners go? I don't even know. Well, I'm up here, so I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, it's, it's good to see. Uh, congratulations to Tom Traxler for getting his first win. There's going to be a Florida yes. Derby this weekend uh, as the Seawolves go on the road for the first time to play the Florida Tropics over in Lakeland. It's a short drive if you want to go over. Um, for those of you in Orlando, for Dave, a little bit longer, uh, but shorter than coming to Orlando. So maybe Dave should go to Lakeland. Dave, are you going to go to Lakeland? Dave? I'm probably working. (laughs) Were you just ignoring me and hoping I would go away? No, I was thinking. And, you know, because what's funny, my dad actually lives in Lakeland, so I I would even have a place to stay and all that. It's just that. uh, There you go. Yeah, I know. The excuses are going away. All right. Um, 
Well, Dave, we're just about, I mean, we're, we're, we're running out of time because we've been at this a long time, but we had a lot to talk about. We, we're, we we're not going to be able to talk about everything we wanted to, um, but uh, Alex Morgan was named U.S. Women's National Team Player of the Year. That's one thing we didn't talk about with the Pride, so we Congrats. have to mention that. Congratulations to her. She had scored like 17 goals in 18 games, I think, or something like that. Something stupid like that, yeah. Something ridiculous for the U.S. team, and so, you know, perfect. Burhalter officially hired by the U.S. men's national team. Ah, uh, finally. Finally, we have a coach. We can start moving forward on the men's side. So lots of good stuff going on. Um, and I think it's probably just about time to get to our mailbag. Let's do it. We don't have mailbag intro music yet, Dave. Um, I play harmonica. I'm but not asking think... you to sing or anything. <laughs> I'm just stating a fact. Okay. <laughs> if somebody wants to submit, ask the mainland anything, uh, email or mailbag uh, music, jingle, whatever. Yeah. You can you can send it to us. We are at the mainland at gmail.com, and you can actually ask us anything by emailing us at the mainland at gmail.com or hitting us up on Twitter with the hashtag #AskTMLPC. And uh, we are at the mainland. That is our Twitter handle. So, Dave, you want to start us off with our first question? Absolutely. We're going to go back a little ways. Uh, I think we missed this one from we got a couple from Ryan Smith, a uh, friend of the podcast who frequently contributes to our uh, efforts here. Um, First off, uh, and I'm going to amend it here because what he asked was, what is your figurative Black Friday? We're going to say New Year's shopping list for Orlando City. Uh, he gives us some choices. A player or two, a third kit, a stadium edition. What would you like to see some money put into this winter? Hmm. That's a good question. Uh, I would think um, for me, probably for Dave, it's a goalkeeper. For me, it's going to be a just a stellar attacking midfielder. Now, maybe that's Diego Rivas. Maybe it's somebody else. I don't know. For me, an attacking midfielder would be great. Uh, I've already answered this because I put out my Christmas wish list, which was partially prompted by this question that we didn't get to last time. So uh, go to the mainland and read it. Um, you've already heard a little bit about what has and hasn't happened in regards to that. But um yeah. All right. Number two. Um, we kind of already addressed this as well, but here we go. Atlanta might have taken the cup, but is the silver lining at least that we don't have to play against Almiron and Martinez three times a year anymore? Any other positive takeaways for Orlando City or in general? With Orlando City, there's not a lot of positive takeaways. <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just I'm just it's, being real here. I'm laughing, um, so I don't cry. We've been at this for four years, and uh, we haven't we haven't had a lot to cheer about. So um, I don't know about any silver lining. Um, and right now, Martinez and Almiron are still Atlanta players, so that's not good. Uh, they did get they did lose their coach. Uh, Tata Martino is gone, bringing in Frank DeBoer, and you know he's still you still got Arthur Blank check writing the blank checks. So. Um, I don't think too much is going to change out of Atlanta, especially if they if they sign. Right now, their biggest problem is they can't sign Pity Martinez because Almiron hasn't left yet. All right, well, here's a bit of good news. They did sign Breck Shea. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I, I will tell you that Breck Shea scored a goal against us last year. 
Well, that's true, but still. The last time they came here, he scored a goal. Yeah. So. All right. Yeah, so not a lot of good news there. All right. Uh, in regards to the PC trade, which we mentioned earlier, um, where he uh, we, we, we traded him for, what, a third-round third round pick? Mm-hmm. Uh, value, question mark? I Is think it still so. Ryan Smith? It's still Ryan. He had three. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. I want to hear. No, it's question. okay. Uh, value question mark? I think so. Um, addition by subtraction. First of all. Yeah. Uh, if if the draft pick turns into anything, it's just a bonus. Yeah, no, nothing to add to that. You're absolutely right. This PC didn't. He didn't work out. He didn't add anything to this team, and you know maybe he'll do better in Vancouver. Maybe we not. wish. I mean, we wish him well and all that, but yeah, he wasn't a good fit here for whatever reason. Yeah. All right, uh, former mainland contributor uh, Luis Hernandez, um, biggest draft needs for the Pride. Hmm. Offensive help. Um, right now, this team has Alex Morgan, who's going to miss a, a a huge chunk of the season, mm-hmm. maybe as as much as half, possibly, depending on how many friendlies the U.S. Women's National Team plays. Uh, Sydney Larue is not going to be helpful. Because she's with child and, you know, more power to her. Go be a mom and do your thing and come back afterwards and, and be awesome again. Um, Chi Bogagu has not gotten it done um, and taken that next step. Uh, Rachel Hill still could take that next step. She she figures to get more playing time this year, but mm-hmm. I said that last year. But now we'll have a new coach, theoretically, next week. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, I think attacking attacking uh, players are, are the biggest need. Somebody put the ball in the net is the biggest need. Uh, this team struggled with that at times last year, and it would be nice to have some really solid group of forwards that would – people that you can't take off the field so that they're forced to play Marta in the midfield because I really think that's where she's strongest. Right. Um, I, I don't disagree with you, but since you went with the obvious, um, I'll say maybe a, a little bit of a bolster on the defensive side, although it's it's not as big of a glaring need. Um, you know, Allie is uh, getting older, but she's still very solid and, and a good leader back there. Um, and I think there's some good pieces back there, but maybe, you know, one more one more defensive piece on the back line you know, might be helpful. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. The, uh, the biggest need is up front. Okay. Uh, Hector Manley. Um, what would you get with the third pick that Orlando city has? Um, now two different questions here. Cause he, he kind of puts a little, you know, second part in here, defense uh-huh. or forward or whatever OCB needs. Um, no, I, I take best player available, uh, when it comes to the draft yeah. and that's any sport. I don't, but especially a sport where you don't expect the player to step right in and, and be a, a key contributor year one. Kyle Lahren's are rare. People yeah. that come in and, and perform like Kyle Lahren did his first year or Jul- Julian Gressel or Jack Harrison. They don't, they're not the norm. They are the exception. So I would just say take the best player available that you think is going to be a good MLS player, whether that's this year or in four years, but mm. just take the best player. It doesn't it doesn't matter what position. Yeah, I mean, just remember, I mean, Mueller was what sixth pick overall, um, and you know he had some some upside, you know, to start with, but obviously has room to grow. So I mean, he, he, 
once you get down past number one pick and number one pick is still not even a guaranteed, uh, you know, quantity. Um, it's, it's, it's not quite the lottery that all the rest of our picks are going to be, but, uh, it's still not, it's, it's not like we're talking NFL picks here. So, um, uh, it's, whatever OCB needs, if I had to answer the question the way it's posed, because most likely whoever we get is going to need to be developed. So um, let's get the best player we can. If they can make the MLS squad, great. If not, let's develop them. Exactly. All right, what else we got? We got two more. We got uh, Josh Simon. Um, First off, he says, congratulations on the milestone. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for that, Josh. Uh, his question, any reason given for the abandonment of the Lake Nona training facility? When does, oh, actually he's got three questions. So I'll let you get that one first. Any right, reason so, for that? Yeah, there was, it wasn't abandoned. They just got a better deal from the Kissimmee thing. And, and in fact, if you go see the Seawolves play, you're going to be in the same complex where Orlando city's training facility is going to be because that's that heritage park is right there. Yeah, well, there you go. So, so another good reason to go watch the Seawolves. They didn't really abandon it. They just got a better deal. It was kind of put on the back burner when the team had to finance its own stadium, and uh, they weren't going to take on two major uh, projects, construction projects at the same time. So while it was on the back burner, Kissimmee approached them about this deal. They got a better deal from them than they got from Lake Nona, so that's why they ended up there. Well, there we go. All right, second, uh, when does training camp start? Training camp will start in, I want to say, right around the beginning of February. Ended right about the beginning of February, I believe. Yeah, somewhere around there, yeah. Yeah, that's when it typically is. I have the, the date. Um, I might be able to find that for you while you uh, ask the next question, actually. <laughs> Dave, have I lost you again? I'll answer the the third one for you while I'm reading it because we've kind of already covered it. Uh, okay. Any word on the pride coaching search? Um, no, there's no real development so far on that. Unfortunately, although we do expect to hear something in the next oh, week or so. Um, <laughs> now that being said, do we have any indications of who it might be or anything like that? No, no, we do not. Yeah, that's that's it. Just what what Jordan has, has written is that um, they're they're in the final stages, and it's expected to be next week. So there you go. We don't know who it's going to be, and um, we don't know exactly what day it'll be announced. But it's coming. <laughs> it's on the way. We know it'll be after the podcast. Yeah, after the podcast drops is good. Uh, so training camp. Did you were you able to find that? No, I, I thought I had it on my 2019 calendar. Uh, well, you know what? With the it's, drafts and stuff, but I didn't have it on here. It's 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 in late January, early February. That's I, it's it's I, that's typically when it is. I actually have the answer for you. Is continue reading the mainland, and we will let you know. There you go. That's it. It's as good an answer as <laughs> any. <laughs> okay, uh, last uh, David Valentin. Uh, Orlando City has dropped a lot of cash off the books and has been very cautious spending money for replacements. Is it for some big signups or simply to be business savvy as we rebuild for 2020? 
I'm sorry. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Orlando City has dropped a lot of cash off the books. Mm-hmm. They've been very cautious in spending money for replacements. Mm-hmm. Is the reason because we're going to have some big signings or simply that we're being savvy as we rebuild for 2020? I think there will be one decent money signing, some middle-of-the-road signings, and some lower-level signings. I don't expect any big, huge splash this year because of the state that the roster was in at the end of the season. It's just a fact. You, you've got to get in under the cap. There's some big salaries here. Um, you know, They did get a big splash of, of money from Yotun, so they can go ahead and, and spend that on somebody. But I don't look for more than one, you know, sort of bigger on the bigger side of of money signing. And by that, I mean maybe a ta- one TAM player where they're paying them down under the under the threshold for the uh, for the DP level. Um, but probably no more than that. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of what we're going to see is a little bit of what we're already seeing in that uh, O'Connor is going to be building from the bottom up. Um which is where he's got the most space to do things. As I said, we've already seen that. Um, we may see, I, I still think we'll see a goalkeeper signing. I still think we'll see um, a, another striker. Um, there'll be some other pieces in there as well. But um, big, big, big signings. No, uh, the Yoshi move. They they did not want to get rid of Yoshi. As we said, they negotiated to keep him. And instead took the money. If they do that, then uh, I, I think the big signing, you know, might be the Rebus signing, honestly. Um, and then, you know, other than that, look for look for another striker and look for a goalkeeper. And, and that's everything else is going to be building the depth that O'Connor wants to be able to run his system. OK, third or fourth week of January is when the. The preseason will begin. Good job, Michael. Yeah, that's that's when preseason begins. Third or fourth week of January. I don't think there's an exact date. Uh, this is a this is information that was available as of mid December. So that's what we're looking at. All right. Well, that's all I had from the Twitters. Do you have any other questions? Yes. There's an email question from Yay. Greg. Greg has emailed us. I'm sorry. I'm not going to try to say your last name because I don't know how it's pronounced. Greg, you, did, you, you did, know who you are. You you didn't phonetically spell it for me. So. <laughs> but you know who you are. You know who you are, Greg. Uh, with the news today, this was sent to us on the 21st of December, of Kano, Kano Smith leaving the Pride for a USL club. If you didn't hear that news, we didn't mention that earlier. Kano Smith has uh, has gone to Birmingham uh, to join the, the staff there for the USL team, uh, has left the Pride. But that's not surprising because the new coach is probably going to want to hire their own assistants anyway. Pride still not having named a head coach. How much trouble are the Pride going, uh, are going, how much trouble are the Pride in going into the ramp up to the season? Uh, with the draft only 20 days away at that point, now it's much less, uh, <laughs> I don't have much hope that the Pride will be able to make any quality moves going into the season. Um, that, eh, let me address that. I guess the the thing I would say is that um, if you look back to this year, Sidney LaRue deal came after the first of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Emily Van Eggman came in after the first of the year. Uh, there are moves that are going to be made after the first of the year. So 
I wouldn't worry too much about it, especially with the coach being hired next week, as we've found out today. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's not the that's not the problem. the The GM will get to work on the contracts. We have now had a GM for nine days, as I've mentioned a few times. Um, and you know, obviously, they will they will try to sign the players that have new contract offers. Uh, the new coach will come in, look, see what they have, what they need, and um, I think it'll be all right. I think the, the rosters are going to be a little bit expanded this year because of the uh, the World Cup. window, the World Cup window. Um, I don't know that it's going to be ex- you know expanded a lot, but I think there'll be uh, a little bit more leniency roster-wise this year. So, like in years past, you had the the, what do you call them? The national team replacement players. Yes. Um, this year you won't have to have people that are on the roster uh, only for portions of the time. This will be more of a case of the players will be part of the team and earning paychecks. So that's going to be helpful. And I, I think then you know, like this last year, Nadia Gomez didn't uh, uh, didn't make the team, but she was a, a national team replacement player um, signing. I think. Like if a similar situation came up this year, they would be on the team. So I, I don't think that the roster is going to be a huge issue. My biggest issue with this roster, I've said it a number of times, too many international players that are going to be gone too long. That's really what it comes down to. And and Orlando's not the only team in that situation, but Orlando's one of three or four teams that are the most impacted by it. What was the question again? Uh, how much trouble are the Pride in? going into the ramp up to the season <laughs> are they in trouble are they in trouble i don't think they're necessarily in trouble um uh, you know getting a coach in obviously is going to be important and uh, but we don't have any picks anyway because you know tom gave them all away uh so that's not going to be a big impact and um you've already addressed pretty much everything else. So, uh, you know, this is a team that uh, will be affected by the World Cup. Mm -hmm. There are going to be players that need to be signed to be brought in. Um, uh, The players that don't get called up are going to need to step up. Um, It's going to be a weird and wild NWSL season because of the World Cup. Um, Things could be shaken up, you know, in all kinds of ways because of, the players that get taken away from certain teams and not other teams. But uh, are we in trouble? Eh, no. Are we in a great position? Eh, no. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, until we get a coach in here, there's only there's only so much we can speak to. Yeah, and and even then, it's just going to be speculation until preseason yeah. games start. So, um, last question from Greg. Uh, with Secondarily, with the NWSL schedule format announced and Jill Ellis being known for pulling her players early. Yep. Uh, where do you see our roster going to fill the holes left by the World Cup this season? Um, we talked about this a little bit. Um, yeah. uh, Greg mentions Cop as a solid stand-in for Ashland. Absolutely. Haley Co- mm-hmm. Haley uh very important player. Um, they're going to need to find a backup goalkeeper, obviously, for when uh, when Ashland's gone. Um, Greg says he'd love to see Rachel Hill get the nod starting up top for Alex. I agree. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that Rachel's already starting. Yes. Um, so it's 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 not a matter of we had, we wanted Alex. that last year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, because of this, you know, Sydney situation, uh, Rachel should already be starting up there um, to start the season. But we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, and of course, you know, Greg mentions other losses uh, to the World Cup. 
Alana Kennedy, Emily Van Eggman, Marta, Camilla, Monica, Poliana, probably Chioma Obogagu, now that she's uh, becoming a regular with England. Uh, Greg says, I'd like to see Danica Evans get some field time alongside Rachel, as I think that has serious potential as a scoring duo. Um, I know that the the surest way to be a fan favorite is to be a backup that yeah. doesn't play a lot. Um, I don't know about Danica Evans's long-term prospects as an NWSL player, but I'm willing to be proven wrong, Dave. Yeah, uh, Danica was the most popular backup player uh, in the comments this season, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, so... We have a couple. Let's just call it what it is. We have a couple Danica stands in the comments section. Yes. Okay. I was trying to be <laughs> political about it, but yeah. Um, you know what? I, I like you. Um, if if she can come on and step up when we're missing players and and prove herself, all the better. Excellent. I will I will I will say it right now that I will come back and say I, you know, I was wrong or that uh, I, I was um, not fully informed and and, and changed my opinion. Uh, even though she will at that point be playing against people who are also not playing at the World Cup, but um, still. Uh, I, I would love to be proven wrong. Yeah, there's it's like I said, it's going to be a weird, wild season. Mm -hmm. You will eat. I, I think what if I'm hearing you correctly, if you're proven wrong, you will eat a live goat right here on the show. <laughs> yes, actually, I will. <laughs> uh, and everybody can watch through their radios. I don't think we're on the radio or whatever. Well, if you're in your car listening to your podcast, it's technically coming through your speakers. Unless you're just listening directly from your phone. Yes, also true. We don't know what you're listening on. You can't no, expect no. us to know this. Stop badgering us about it. <laughs> we only have so much power, darn it. I don't, I, which is pretty much nothing. I think we've been at this far too long, Dave. We're I think it's time it. to wrap up. <laughs> I think it's time to wrap up episode 150 of the Mainland Podcast. Um, I would like to uh, thank our guest, but we didn't have one, so well, I won't. It's a good, uh, and it's a good thing we didn't, because man, yeah, we're already over an hour and a half. So, um, and and that was with cutting some things that we could have talked about. But oh, we skimmed through some things. I have no did. doubt about it. We skimmed, but. We didn't shortchange you because this is once again an award-winning show. There were Dave, there were no iTunes um, five-star reviews to uh, read on the air. We didn't have any new. We got some more ratings. Some more people rated us, but nobody left an actual review. Um, and uh, we've got our first non-five or one-star rating. We have, somebody somebody gave us a four-star. So, I guess. Maybe if you had a better co-host, um, we would have gotten a five-star. Or if you had a better co-host. Well, let's not cast aspersions. <laughs> um, okay, so now we've, we had a couple Yahoos give us a one-star. Almost everybody gave us a five-star, one four-star. So our, our average is still five. So nice. 5.0. So good deal. All right, thank you to everyone who listened and has listened all year this is the this is the December podcast. So now we just have January and February, and then we'll be back in the saddle for weekly podcasts again. Woohoo! So let's put a bow on uh, episode 150. Thank you to those who sent us uh, emails. Sorry if we missed your question. There was a very 
uh, chaotic last few weeks and we dug out as many as we could find. If you're not using the AskTMLPC hashtag on Twitter, it's really hard for us to find your email with all the stuff that's going on. So um, please use the hashtag on Twitter. You can tweet to us at the mainland as our Twitter account. Use the hashtag AskTMLPC or email us the mainland at gmail.com and uh, you know keep up keep those questions coming because because uh, every one of you asked us about soccer stuff except Ryan Smith yes and and, and well <laughs> and even Ryan Smith asked us about and soccer. even Ryan Smith asked us about soccer stuff so you know uh, okay all right Dave anything else you want to add before we put this 150th episode of the podcast to bed other than a thank you to all the listeners for uh, if you've been around for all 150 or if you've been around for one doesn't matter we appreciate you and uh you know come come visit us on 151 yeah yeah do that we uh and and by that we don't mean to drink a whole bunch of 151 and then visit <laughs> us, unless that's what you really unless want you to do. really want to yeah we, yeah i mean we're not going to stop you we're not yeah. keeping you from that um, but, uh, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, yeah. So that will do it. We're done. We're, 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 we've had enough. Out. <laughs> we're out. <laughs> um, on behalf of David Rowe, I am Michael Citro, the founder and managing editor of the mainland.com signing off episode 150 the way I always do by saying go city, go pride, go sea wolves. <laughs>